I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Cabby Presents podcast. Thank you for the download. Thank you for the subscription to those who subscribe. Thank you for the click. You can follow some adventures of mine on Twitter, at Cabby, or on IG or Instagram or the Gram, as some call it, at The Real Cabby, or on the Book of Faces, the government name, Cabral Richards. I'm your host, and I want to start by saying what a time to be alive, to borrow the chorus from Future, and I suppose the name of the Drake and Future mixtape, What a Time to Be Alive. I'm still crushing that whole album. But there are select songs that get more of a rotation than others, like Big Ring, Z, (laughs) Jumpman, 30 for 30 freestyle. I like, you know, Drake's verse on I'm the Plug. And I love hearing that at baseball games. This is going to be a little bit of a Toronto-centric podcast. My apologies to those that listen outside of the province of Ontario. Um, I know I have homies out west. I know I have homies out east. And I have some American homies. With what the, the Toronto Blue Jays have done for the city as far as an energy, an excitement, a hope, my guests and I are going to talk a little bit about the Blue Jays. Let me swing it back to music real quick. I've been trying to post with some regularity, 10 new songs that I've been killing on my iPod. I still use an iPod because I don't want to put music on my phone and I'm not trying to stream on my phone all day to kill the battery and then kill my data. So I still use an iPod. So every couple of weeks or three weeks, I'll post 10 new songs that I'm listening to and my musical tastes skew towards hip-hop and R&B And I haven't really branched out of those two lanes in a while. I I know I should. Maybe I will. But if you want to check those out, those are on Instagram. Again, it's at The Real Cabbie. I try to post on Mondays. I got a Snapchat story. So I'm out and I get a message from a lady friend. And she's like, hey, you were in the guy I'm talking to's uh, Snap story last night. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I mean, I yeah, I was out at a night spot and I was like, well, that's, I mean, I don't even know if I responded. Well, that's cool. I was like, oh, yeah, haha, probably something like that. But then I was like, which dudes send snap stories from like clubs? And I'm going to open this up to you guys. So respond via Twitter or the book of faces or whatnot that's something that women do right like are some man points at stake 
if one of your snap stories is a night at a club and the lights are going, the music's loud, the sound is distorted. If I look at 20 snap stories in a day, half of them are a night out partying at a club and the music and lights are pulsating, and I just skip, I just tap. I'm like, I don't want to hear this, this music sucks, or the music doesn't suck, it's just like, the music's just annoying, it's not going to sound as good as it did for you, recording it in the club, and why are you even recording the music in the club anyway? Like, yeah, you want to tell everybody that you're there and you're having fun, but it's kind of weak. So anyway, I ask you, are man points at stake if as a dude... You're collecting shots for a snap story inside of a club on a regular party night. I jumped into this person's snap story. I didn't know the person was having, was recording a snap story. I thought the dude was just taking a picture. Actually, I don't even know what I was doing because, truthfully, there may have been some adult beverages that were being consumed after the Blue Jays won in dramatic fashion advancing to the ALCS for the first time in 22 years. I may have been celebrating a little bit, so let me know. My guest isn't a big Snapchat user, so I'm not going to ask him about it, but you'll have to let me know again on Twitter, at Cabby, or on Facebook. Uh, It's the government name, uh, Cabral Richards, to let me know if man points are lost for recording that kind of a Snap story, and if so, specific, I need a number, how many, Man points are lost. I want to remind everybody to score big on game day for you and your guests with Subway Catering. Choose from our delicious piled-high sandwich platters or go all the way with a custom-made giant sub. Those are great for football Sundays. Visit Subway.com to order now. Subway, eat fresh. Some orders may require a 24-hour advance notice. And now, my guest joins me in the studio. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. The first time I met this man was covering the 2008 NHL playoffs. We were in a small dressing room in Pittsburgh, and I was recording these daily video logs. And I asked this man if he could appear in one of my logs. And I was like, are you going to get in trouble? Because at the time, I worked for what are what is known as the Montreal Expos of Canadian sports television. I love the Expos. Yeah, a lot, lot of talent, just a small a small team. Right. And, uh, and he agreed, and he was like, yeah, I'll be in the video. And I don't even remember what stupidness I said, but I was very uh, thankful that he appeared at the end, and it probably boosted the views from 13 to 17. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy that uh, he's in the studio with me today. And his new book, The Guy on the Left, Sports Stories from the Best Seat in the House, one of the best hosts in our country, James Duthie. Welcome to the Cabbie Presents Podcast. Thank you, buddy. And I do remember that because I I came up and I complimented you. I don't know if you remember that part on your stuff. No, I don't remember. I legitimately, uh, I, I'd watch the score back then all the time, and, and your stuff was great on there. Thank you, man. And now it sounds like a big suck-up fest. No, it doesn't, anyway. but I, I appreciate you. This is where I want to start. Okay. Harold Reynolds. Yes. You like everybody? Okay, so the baseball announcer is—I uh, think he is a hall, of, or is he hall of famer? I don't know. You're asking the wrong uh, guy. Okay, uh, so he, he was a good ball player. He was. Yeah. He was. Uh, you know, he made just kind of a, like an offhand comment. Game two, the Texas Rangers versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Right. It's in Texas, 
and there's a foul ball, and he said, uh, you know, and he says that because and the ball was like hard to catch, and it landed in a, uh, in a group of fans, and he's like because there's not a lot of people that grew up playing baseball in Canada, right. you know, it's hard to catch that ball, something like that. But right. those were those were his exact words because right. there weren't a lot of people that grew up in Canada. Right? Do you think that Canadians were are too sensitive? Or are overly sensitive because the reaction on Twitter and the reaction in the blogosphere was they were murdering Harold Reynolds. Guys were taking shots at his career because they're like, oh, he said that all Canadians don't play baseball, which wasn't what he said. Okay, so I'll say two things. Yes. It was a dumb thing to say. It was a dumb like, thing. It was to a say. really stupid thing to say. And, uh, but yes, we are definitely overly sensitive. I, I, I like any funny reactions to it, I liked. But to be like really angry mob mentality, a lot of people were man. To me, that's that's a little bit silly. I, I think it was, uh, you know, it was a little bit ignorant of a thing to say. It was your typical American statement about Canadians. But I don't really think he was trying to be hateful or anything. To no. it was just a dumb thing to say. But that's the way things are now, and that's the one thing I don't like about all you know everything Twitter, etc. Is that the littlest things get blown into massive things. And that was his little moment of one mistake where he got absolutely ripped for. Yeah, it's so. it's like the uh, it's like the faux faux outrage, right. the Twitter outrage. Right. I, which I don't like. But wait, okay, when you think about your high school, okay, mm-hmm. the, you, you went high school in Ottawa, right? Yeah. How many how many dudes do you want to play baseball? No, that, that's where there's fair comment. No, there was baseball in Ottawa. Like I, I no, never, I'm not saying there. Were, but how many dudes do you know? Well, that compared play to America, in, it's in significant, right? It's no, you're sig- not answering my question. I I knew a lot of dudes who played baseball. You want to? I, I knew seven guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, okay, but the okay, what was the? And you, I know you played football. We we, we yeah. spoke about that once. My career is awesome. <laughs> did you say you have a, you had eleven touchdowns in a season once? Maybe. Did you or didn't you? I got a trophy. <laughs> I got a top score trophy. Wait, top score? There, there are no top score trophies in football. There's top score in baseball. There's top score maybe in no, basketball. No, there was a top. Or sorry, not baseball, hockey, score. I mean. Okay, this is an adult men's football league, too, now we're talking about. So I'm like 25, and this is how bad it is. <laughs> like, I was tied with some guy on another team the last week. This is like essentially a quality beer league, okay? <laughs> okay. But we knew there was trophies. So, like, the QB threw me, like, four... TD passes for a total of like nine yards like every time we got to the goal line just so I could beat this guy like it was shameful <laughs> it was but a, you still accepted and I was the like trophy. 25 years old yeah I accepted the trophy and were you I went were, to the banquet did you did you were you doing the finger guns and the <laughs> winks and stuff like that oh, yeah I was like, strolling <laughs> up there okay get, get, let's get back sorry high school like did you no I, I know what you're saying like Cat, I don't like, know. If, I don't know yeah, if it's so a, not a truthful. I think it's no, a truthful like statement. Three of my best buddies played baseball. It's it's a truthful statement that less people play baseball in Canada than in the United States because we have long winters and because baseball is so entrenched in 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 their culture, whereas hockey is so entrenched in ours. So. Yeah, of course they play more baseball in the states, but it's still dumb to say nobody plays. Nobody well, ever learned to catch a foul no, ball. No, but he didn't say he didn't say nobody. He said there aren't a lot because there aren't many Canadians, and I think that's a truthful statement. Listen, we played softball, fast pitch. There was a lot more of that than there was actual baseball. I don't know. There's I, a lot of there's a lot of maybe that was a Toronto thing. You grew up where'd you grow up? I, I went to high school in Cambridge, Ontario, which like, is Ottawa, an hour, Ottawa an hour had a west big of Toronto. Baseball community. Like I felt when I was little. I felt like uh, I played soccer and football, but I never played baseball, and I felt like I was a little outsider because most of my buddies played baseball. So there you go. I, at my high school, my you know, and this it's a small sample size. Even in the baseball league that I played in, there right. weren't there was maybe six teams, maybe right. eight at like fourteen to seventeen. There's not not a ton, right. but 
granted. Um, but the, I think that's the, just that one the, the way size. it came out of his mouth was that there's only a handful of baseball players in Canada. Like he thinks there's one little league in seven teams somewhere in Alberta. <laughs> well, we that's only, it. I think we only have a dozen guys yeah. in MLB. Yeah. I think there are only a dozen Canadians. It just shout you know out to what? Russell Martin. It was just a just a bad phrasing. But again, like I said, I laughed at it, and I think it's fun to mock Harold Ford a little bit. But the real venom was stupid. Yeah. Right. Wait, what was your tweet? You said uh, I said I married an American girl, so my children had a chance to to catch foul ball. <laughs> right? Your wife's an American? No, I was just I made that up. Oh, I thought I thought I was like, oh, wait, Duffy's wife's uh, an American. Sometimes cabbie in comedy, people make things up. <laughs> <laughs> so game five happens, uh, the Rangers uh, and the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, okay, the play in this. I, you I were there, and I wasn't there. This is okay. That's true. That's because uh, Cabby knows people, and I don't know anybody. Everybody thinks you know James. He's on TV. He's a big, long time anchor. I don't know anybody. Yeah, but I feel Cabby like you can go everybody. to any hockey game that you want. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, and, <laughs> I can't go to any baseball game. I just got. I just got an no, invitation you got, you got, late in the game. I got an invitation. No, like, the ball. What two days bottom line is you have more friends than me at this point in time. Uh, I I would I would say that I have more single friends than you. Yeah, that's true. Well. You you probably have a lot of friends that are like parents. Yeah, my friends are like soccer parents. Yeah. Stuff. So that's, you know, I was- Do you have a, a minivan? <laughs> I do not have a minivan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I actually- I, Was that ever a consideration? Because you have what, two two daughters or three daughters? I got two daughters and a boy. Two daughters, sorry, really fast daughters. question. I, I rented a minivan once to go to a soccer tournament in, in, in Washington, D.C. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right? And uh, I don't know, my car was in the shop or something. Sure it was. And so we left Washington and drove to New York City. And uh, so I drive this minivan in through Times Square trying to get to our hotel at like midnight on a Sunday night in New York City. And some drunk girl, some drunk girl crossing the street jumps on the hood of my van. No way. And she goes, dude, you are driving a minivan. Take a hard look at your life. <laughs> no way. That's amazing. <laughs> my kids all started howling. <laughs> uh, no. no, the one thing I forever re- I forever resisted a minivan. But I was at my, my I have two daughters. They had soccer practice. But it's at this uh, thing in Vaughan uh, for your uh, listeners north of Toronto, people who don't live in Toronto, and uh, sort of this indoor complex. And uh, all the parents are usually watching their girls play soccer, and there's a little bar up top. And so nobody, all the parents completely abandoned the girls. And we're all <laughs> so that's Last where night? I, that's where I watched the game from this bar in the soccer complex. And it was, you know, it's to me it was cool. It was one of those moments. You got a hundred people you don't know that are all soccer parents going nuts and screaming at the TV and and then high fiving when Batista hits the home run. So that, oh, that was my experience. Yeah, it was, was it was cool. We didn't have the people at inside the Skydome didn't have the benefit of hearing the broadcast either Bob Costas or Jerry Howarth on the radio. Right. So there's so much confusion inside the dome. We're like, what's going on? Like, you know, the you know, the umpire signals the play's dead and then, you know, he says the run scores and then he's like, it's under review and then we cheered when when the umpires went to the review booth and I guess they were communicating with New York or wherever they watched the 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 replays at the head right. office. So we couldn't we couldn't hear and I still don't really I haven't after the game, we were in such a euphoric state. Right. I didn't go read any of the recaps or uh, so I don't really even know what the actual rule. Did you? Yeah. Were you able to well, hear so, it? So the rule was it was called correctly as long as you don't think Chu was like intentionally stand um, putting out his arm, which they didn't. I think that was fair. I think the the thing that most people had a problem with was that the ump had called time as the guy was running home. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we grow up in this hockey culture where if the ref blows the whistle, the play is dead. No matter what, inadvertent whistle, right, things count. 
But apparently in baseball, and I didn't know this until last night as well, in baseball it's it's more gray than that. So the umpire, even if he makes a mistake like that, he calls time. He can still say, look, the runner was halfway home. You were There was nobody on the Jays that was going after the ball, so you were not going to throw him out. So even though I called time, I was wrong, run counts. So in baseball, you can do that, whereas in hockey, you can never do that. You say, sorry, I blew the whistle. The play's dead. It doesn't matter that you were going to score anyway. The goalie was out of his net. Yeah. I blew the whistle. So that's, I guess, a difference in baseball. So really, technically, apparently they got it right, even though 50,000 and, oh, and you man. were just the venom. It's, it felt so wrong. It, it did at the in moment. The moment yeah. But apparently by the by the letter of the law they got it right and so i'm like everybody else just so thrilled because that that didn't imagine toronto lost on that play like well, it's such a that's such a toronto well don't you think move. everybody thought that was it like even though i know people believe in the jays because just because of toronto and toronto's collective history <laughs> yes, everybody thought this is what is going to happen yeah. this is and that why there was the stadium was just so on edge i think because it was like this is how we're going to lose in the most toronto of toronto ways yeah. this is how we're going to lose this yeah. thing we're dudes are throwing robbed. i don't know where all the toilet paper came from right. but like dudes are throwing toilet paper bottle i mean it's we really the fans was really it, turned was ugly. it nasty like, yeah it, like like we had like did your bodyguards have to like to rush you out of there Dude, I was I was eating. I was just murdering some food. Were you in a like, suite? I, I was, yeah. But I, I'm not trying to waste any any food or anything, man. Look at the size <laughs> of my stomach. But yeah, like you know, there are police on the field, like in the sky. I'm like, what? Like that right. never happens. No. And uh, I think like didn't a, a baby got yeah. hurt or Which, something? You know what? I, it really, uh, it really that, got ugly. That is awful. I, I will say this though, and I, I don't know the circumstances, but I would never myself, and this is not excusing any of the behavior, but. I'm not bringing my newborn to a game with 50,000 screaming people just because of the noise, essentially. So, what, a new message just in? Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, my, my apologies. Uh, I, I agree with you. Like, uh, it's sometimes, it, you know, it's cute when you see on the broadcast little babies wearing headphones yeah, that's, or whatever. That's great. Like, after Drew Brees had that moment right. with his son at the Super Bowl, he had the headphones. That's cute. And uh, and uh, one story that I, uh, and then when um, I, believe, I believe it was the 09 Penguins that won against Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pascal Dupuis, he his little his little son had some headphones on right. in the dressing room as they were celebrating. So I understand, but I don't. I, but a yeah, I'm not, is, look at I'm not blaming. You don't blame the victim in a agree, circumstance agree, like this agree. whatsoever. I'm just saying I would never bring my my newborn to a game. But that must have been terrifying for the for the mother. For, for, oh yeah, I hope the kid's okay. Um, have you ever seen a pimped home run a, a home run pimped like that before in your life? No, and I thought it was fantastic. I, I think, like, anybody, apparently that's been the talk the day after the game on American radio about whether the bat flip was too much. And yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. in the... Mo- well, I guess, hey, I guess no, they can debate right, it. Though. But it, you, you have... It's context, right, Ken? Yeah, man. Co- like, if you think about that moment for Batista, who you know very well, and everything, all the doubters he had early in his career, and everybody gave up on him, and then to get there, and this, you know, that was the moment he'd waited for his entire life, and he has it happen. Plus the the 22 years of frustration for the Jays and, and all the frustration in the city, which Batista's well aware of. I think that was just a cumulative, uh, you know, gut reaction yeah, man. to all of those things. And so it was as appropriate as appropriate can get. And Dyson, the pitcher, like, you know what? Like David Price always says, pitch better. You don't go out and, like... If I was him, I wouldn't have said a word after that game. If you say to your teammates in quiet, oh, I think the bat flip was too much, fine. But to go in front of the media and say that, worry about your pitch, buddy. I I, I just think that was the, the lamest thing ever. I think a little bit of that, too, was maybe like, 
you know, the the building chance MVP every time Donaldson goes to the plate. And and Batista's like, man, I've been here the whole time. Like it's almost like I you know, it's almost like reasserting himself, like I'm the alpha on this on this yeah. team. So I saw I saw last night after the game uh, you hung. I, you and him went to. You had a champagne at his pad. No, no. They, <clears throat> the guys, like the whole team, came out. We were at this at this spot, and the, the whole are you team, allowed to say the club or what? Uh, I could. I guess like I could. I don't. I don't think anybody okay. would be upset. Like I'm sure there's a bunch of pitchers being taken or whatever. So we went to this place called EFS. Okay. And uh, so they're getting ushered in or whatever. And I stopped. Like I saw the guys and I stopped Jose. I think, like grabbed the turn. I'm like, I and I just dropped a bunch of mother bleepers like i was like you are a mother bleeper like that was the and i, I was so hyped like it was almost like <laughs> i would i just relived the moment right. in front of him he goes right right and he was excited too and i was like and i sent him a text i was like yo barry bonds must have been like yo that was a pimped home run like even Bond, like what i think the greatest pimped home run i ever saw was david ortiz in the world baseball classic had one I think, I mean, he's from the Dominican. I think it was against maybe Puerto Rico. Right. And he, I think the ball left the stadium. But the way that his bat sort of in a helicopter motion <laughs> kind of went around his head. And then he just tossed it like it was just garbage. Like that, until Batista last night, that was the sickest well, that, run. You know, one of the photographers got the perfect shot. Oh, like, yeah. With the perfect expression. And that's going to be the best poster. I don't care what happens the rest of the way. That's the poster of these playoffs, right? That, and that's that's his, like, iconic pose now. Yeah. Just like him. <laughs> it's too. It's the stare and then just the just so much anger and how he, he well, Weren't you the, thinking the whole time that, like, this would be like a perfect 30 for 30 film, just that whole seventh inning. And right. It's like you, you want to do it now. The three errors, too. Right, yeah. The you, run, like, at, at first base, second base, third base. It's like, when, is, when does that happen? I'm like, sure somebody will do it in the off season, but it's better. You know, I almost wish it was 10 years down the road and you could do that movie because it's always better down the road when the guys can look back on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it will be. That'll be a years. fabulous because that inning was just so epic. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It was just great. What's the story? Okay, so you, you wrote this new book, right. uh, The Guy on the Left, and, it, and it's a collection of your stories, and you are a great storyteller. What's the story? Now, I don't, want, I don't want you to give away the best story in the book, okay. but what's the story? When you're, when you're at a, um, if you're playing golf or you're at okay. an event and people like, they, what's the story that you enjoy telling the most? Like a random story that people. Uh, okay, the story, I, because you said golf, the story I tell at golf tournaments a lot, which I tell in the book, is uh, an encounter with Tiger Woods in a bathroom at the Masters. Oh my goodness. Which sounds really, that sounds bad, doesn't it? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of encounter. Did you look? Did you look? No, so I'll, try, I'll tell it to you real fast. I've, I've told you the story. You don't have to tell it fast. But... No, no, I. I uh, I, I promised I'd retire the story after the book because I have told it at five or ten golf tournaments. But it was the 2002 Masters, my first Masters I was covering. And this was Tiger, top of the oh, world, for sure. Tiger. Yeah, like the top of the world. It was, it was he won back to back his second of back to back Masters that year. So there was a rain delay on on Friday, and uh, they finished off the second round on Saturday, and then they were going to go out and play the third round. So I had about an hour of downtime, and at Augusta, it, it's a really cool spot. You never been, right? Never been. So. Uh, you can kind of walk around and you have access to a lot of the cabins. There's all these different cabins there. So I was kind of walking around exploring the place. And I walked into this one cabin. And I guess it was kind of uh, for family of players and such. And it was and Elin, who was then Tiger's girlfriend, okay. uh, was there with Tiger's mom. They were the only people in the cabin. And it was a two-story cabin. So Elin was just on fire at the time, right? Like, yeah, it was Elin in her prime, just like Tiger, yeah, right? Yeah, she was, she was so a bad chick. So I sat down on the other couch because they were just ignoring me talking because I just wanted to stare at Elin for a while. 
So I basically stalked her for like 20 minutes, and then I, <laughs> I started to feel uncomfortable. And uh, You so, started to feel uncomfortable? I did. I said, so I, I got to get out of here soon. And then the door opened, Tiger came in. And it was, it was really strange because Tiger and Elon were just giddy in love back then. And they were like high school sweethearts the way, oh, honey, you kissed or whatever. And they started talking. And so I started to feel really uncomfortable. So I, I went upstairs uh, to the washroom. So small washroom, three urinals. And uh, I picked the middle urinal because that's uh, that's what a confident man should do. Right? <laughs> you do that, right? Like if you take if you're in a if you have an odd number, you got to stand at the middle urinal because the guys. No, I I start I go left or right no, just because if someone else comes in, then it's not awkward. Well, the dude standing right next to me. But to me, I think if the guys in the corner are always like it's like they got something to hide. Right? <laughs> so confident man, I say this is the only real takeaway from my book. Confident man <laughs> takes the middle urinal. Okay. I'm standing there describing this. Uh, you can't see it on the podcast. Right. So, so James is standing up. Middle in, urinal. Yeah. He's in yeah. sort of a like a football, like a linebacker So I'm sitting stance. there doing my thing and uh, door opens and, and, and Tiger comes in and he cozies up to the urinal to my left. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm like you that I've been around enough famous athletes that I don't really get too wowed. But at this time, I'd never met Tiger before besides, you know, a couple of press conferences. And this was Tiger, like the most famous athlete in the world. So... I was a little rattled for a second, right? And he, we're shoulder to shoulder, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know the deal, back to like urinal etiquette. You don't want to, like, if, if you're two guys side to side at a urinal, you're the only two guys in the washroom, you want to say, hey, right? You Do want, you? No. I think, well, I'd see, it's awkward if you're, if you don't say something. What? Are you serious? No, you don't say anything. I find that awkward. Really? So I always want to say something, like, hello, but uh, at the same time, you don't want to, like, you don't want, like, to linger your eyes like you don't want to look over because <laughs> you got eyes forward or eyes up yeah you're like you know ooh, tiger's pulling, pull, pulling out the driver right <laughs> and i got my I he's got, got my, his nine wood out yeah i got my tea uh so uh yeah your putter yeah my putter so anyway so i go hey i thought that was pretty good hey and he goes hey he does, barely doesn't acknowledge me hey so he's still undoing his pants like he just stepped up there and i go okay that was pretty good opener hey so i gotta say something else so i go i say good luck Right? He's about to go out for the third round of the Masters. I thought that was pretty good. And he, he kind of chuckles for a second. And he goes, uh, dude, it's okay. I do this several times a day. I should be okay. Nice. He made like a pee nice. joke. Nice. Well done. Well and done. I thought that was like pretty cool because the only tiger I'd ever seen on TV was like this, you know, robo monster, you know, guy yelling at cameraman, so focused. And he made a little pee joke. Nice. <laughs> And so, and then so what? And did you did it make you pee a little bit? No, more? I laughed a little bit, and then I, I walked out, and that was my tiger at the urinal experience. Oh. You know? I didn't no know. handshaking, no, no fist no, bumps, nothing. No, just... I didn't. I didn't know about the, all the Perkins waitresses and stuff then, so I, I, <laughs> I couldn't have a real man's conversation. <laughs> no, I don't think they were ex- in existence yet. So anyway, the the the, the book <laughs> the book is is like that in in that I try to tell the stories that people you know don't see on the air about. You know, goofy stuff that's happened on the panel and, and guys I've met along the way. And uh, it's not like it's a sports book, which I think sports fans are like. But I, I try to make it almost like what you do in the sense that it's more about the guys' lives. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes broadcasting stories. Because I wanted a book that, like, you know, your, the girlfriends would like to read too and stuff. And so it's not hardcore analytical sports. It's more stories like that. Well, you're a great storyteller. And, like, and you make very – you make – you on the on on the desk. You're very relatable because you're not you're not. I'm average. People. What you're saying is I'm average looking. I can that's relate not, to the well, average. No, that's not what below I'm saying. Below average looking. You and Ed Helms I'm are not, not average. You guys are very he- handsome men. You and Ed. Uh, no, but you're very you're very relatable. Like people are like yeah, I, I can I that that right. guy makes 
uh, hockey understandable for, for me. Well, thank you. And, for and, dumb, and dummies like me. Well, well, thank you for saying that. The 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 um the time that we met in uh, I guess it was '08. The story that I like to tell is when I got to and I have no business I have no business doing this, but I got to drink from the Stanley Cup in 2008, and I became somehow very friendly with Chris Osgood over the course of that two-month playoff stretch, he would be very honest with me in my in our interviews. Cause I, I think because I didn't really ask him standard things. And he, you know, he, he, he opened, and once I, I, I actually gave him a banana to eat in the interview and he ate the banana, which I thought, anyway, so um, we're, you know, celebrating inside the, uh, the dressing room and on my way in, I'm wearing goggles and a, I remember a, this. And a poncho. Was that the first time you did that? Uh, yeah, it was the first time yeah. I did that. Okay. Yeah. And I actually I actually so people give me credit for being the first one. To, I guess maybe I was the first person in media to do it, right. but I actually borrowed I stole the idea from Pedro Martinez when the uh Red Sox won in 2004. Right. Uh Pedro had like small like speedo right. um um goggles on and I was like I got to I got to take it to the next level. So I got some big like, you know, skiing ones. And now all the guys have like these big Oakley like I think ski. you were you probably were the first if you go back though. Maybe maybe the first reporter to do it. Like you're a groundbreaker. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Why hasn't like Oakley or one of these companies like cashed in on that and they, prob- they, prob- they, they probably do, are, right? They're they supply pro- in big time. They have to cuz yeah. they all kind of look this unless, unless yeah, they should. Yeah. They should. Uh so anyway, so I'm in the room and uh, Dominic Hasek was the backup goalie for the Red Wings. So the Red Wings just beat the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins in game, I don't know, six or something like that. But anyway, we were in Pittsburgh. He pours. It he, was six. Actually. It was six. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, he pours champagne over my head. And, and it wasn't, they didn't even give them good champagne. Like they had, it wasn't like Veuve Clicquot or Moet or what, Bollinger. It was like some some brand that sucked. I, lo- I remember looking at him like, this is what you guys are giving these dudes? Anyway, because uh, you, know, you can't really expect much from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, but so, I don't know, I'm, I'm throwing shade at Pittsburgh. So at one point, Oscar's like, do you want to drink from the cup? I'm like, yeah, of course I want to drink from the cup. So he signals for the cup to come over. The room is packed, a bunch of dudes, like mostly dudes, like 100 dudes in this small dressing room. There's the 25 guys on the team, the 10 equipment guys and team guys. Then there's a bunch of reporters. There's a couple of women sprinkled in, but just mostly dudes. Right. So the cup had made its round uh, to mostly everybody. And, you know, he pour, uh, Osgood poured some beer in it, lifts it to my lips, and then I drink from it. Take, I don't, have you ever drank from the Stanley Cup? No, I haven't because uh, would you ever? Or do you respect you I feel like you respect the code and a little bit, a little bit. I think it, now uh, do I have like I think you should be doing it. Put it that way, okay? But me on the panel like I don't know it felt I've drank I I did from the Grey Cup. Okay. But I, I haven't from the Stanley Cup. Now, I don't know if Luongo or somebody I knew or Kopitar I knew really well came up and offered me uh, you know, I might if it was <laughs> maybe. I think you can't. I feel like you, know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't it turn it way. down. I'm certainly not judging you because you do. It. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been offered. So there you go. Okay. Well, then, well, because you're not in the room afterwards, yeah. but you could be. Because you you have to know, do I'm like two hours. Of I a, never get to go to the celebrations. Now, I'm always stuck outside on the panel. You anyway. probably could go. Like, listen, they they celebrate for about an hour inside, hour and a half inside, the, and then there's the party. You could probably go to the party. Well, I went to the party when the Kings won. 2012 or 2000? Uh, the first one. What was the first 2012. one? 2012. Yeah, so I was at that party in the sort of the club lounge afterwards with, okay. the, with the team there and smoked a little stogie, but I, nice. I didn't drink out of the cup. You should have came to, you should have came to the, what's that little, it's like a tiny little bar we went to called like the North End or something. The, the only reason they, that's their King's Bar is because, um, uh, oh my goodness, oh, Matt Green used to live across the street okay. from that bar. 
And when and Dowdy used to live with them, and that's the bar they would go to, like after games, just to have a beer. It's a small, tiny little so bar. So that's in where you were that Manhattan. night. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, finish your story. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So, so, we, so the uh, Osgood the, the yeah holds the uh, cup up to my lips. I drink from the cup. It tastes kind of tastes kind of tinny, <laughs> and uh, you know I, I have some line. I give some line to the camera. It was it was a cool moment. And then afterwards, I see Darren McCarty, and he's like, "Cabby," I'm like, "Hey, man." He's like, uh, "Did you drink from the cup, bud?" I'm like. Yeah, yeah. He goes, did you wipe the rim first? I'm like, no. I'm like, got to wipe the rim, bud. And I look around. I'm like, there are a hundred dudes that have put their lips on this friggin' cup. I'm like, I just made out with the entire room. <laughs> I felt good about it. But in that moment when he reminded me, I was like, man. So, James, if you ever get a chance to wipe, yeah. to drink, just use the, you know, the bottom of your shirt and just wipe the rim. There's because... a lot more than lips and stuff <laughs> on, on that cup, too. Like the, I, I've always thought that uh, Phil Pritchard and Mike Bolt, the two guys who were yes. the keepers of the cup. Mike Bolt, great story. They would, they would have books to write. Like oh, they, they could well, never yeah. write, they could no. never write the real book, mm. but they would have a good book to write if they could write the true story. James, at what point do you, th- like how, what has to happen where, or how many years in the future could we get like full disclosure books? <laughs> well, Bob, Bob McKenzie and I always talk about starting a network called the Truth Network. Oh my gosh! Where, where we do our we do our normal panel and then we do the real panel. Oh, that would be amazing! <laughs> I, like, I need to apply to the CRTC. <laughs> so, it would just it would just have to be on YouTube or something. Yeah. It's like yeah, you do your regular panel and then like four hours of drinking later, then you guys go back on the set. Do the actual truth? Oh yeah. no, it's because uh, because right. how many like you could write. If if it was the full truth serum, like you're, yeah, It'd be a different book. But I, I, you know, although I've, you know, I, like this book, I'm sure it's great. Again, it's it's <laughs> the guy on the left, and it's out. You can you can buy it at Indigo Chapters online. I was pretty. I wrote a pretty honest book here, but like I haven't led the crazy life. It's more like other guys' stories that would be in that book. Uh, there, this is about as crazy as it gets for me. And I was honest. Like I tell a lot of stories in there that are pretty embarrassing that I know people will mock me on for Twitter for the next oh, probably sick. for the, for the next twenty years, but. Yeah, I, I, you see, I, you, you're, you see, your honest book that would be a crazy book. You your just can't tell, name names. Your tell-all book would be good. You could do it like I got some good ones. Did you ever read the Tiger book? Uh, two guys from Sports Illustrated. I think it was Alan Shipnick and another guy, and they knew the real story of Tiger Woods, like the real stuff, but they couldn't write it because they were worried about lawsuits and Tiger's yeah. lawyers. So they wrote a fictional book called The Player. Uh, which you should pick up sometime. And they, oh, okay. they changed his name to, they changed his name. I can't remember what they changed his name to. <laughs> but I, his arch rival was like Bill Fickelson. <laughs> it and, was Weiger Toods. Right. And they wrote like a fictional book, but a lot of the stuff in that book is supposedly real. St- I just plugged the book instead of my own book on the on the podcast. But it's called The Player, I think. And it, a lot of the stuff in that book is supposed to be true stuff that happened with Tiger Woods. So I don't know. Well, listen, I'm adding. This book, the guy on the left, uh, to my my collection, and thank you, James, for signing one for me. And you guys should add this book to your collections. And then later down, like down the road, you maybe get the player. <laughs> exactly. You'll, you'll get you'll get some great stories exactly. uh, by my man here, James Duthie. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me on no the podcast. No problem, buddy. You, you, your reach is so far, I, and it, it says it speaks a lot not only to you, but how many times we replay your shows. That I, when I go out now in public. The two common things I get are the Amazing Race because apparently that's a whole different audience than, than TSN. <laughs> yes, yeah, you do because you do the after show. And the other thing I get all the time is we, you and I did one interview yeah. that was on your one of your shows, yeah, yeah, your, your Cabbie Present shows, and people always ask me, 
like, hey, that girl Allison Phillips, like, <laughs> the girl that you asked to dance that right, time. Right. I told the story about <laughs> so me, good. me asking this girl to dance every 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 slow song at the <laughs> high school dance, and and they're like, Allison Phillips, did you ever get in touch with her and all this stuff? <laughs> like people yell at this randomly on the <laughs> streets so to me. So there's there's the reach of cabbie. So thanks for having me on, buddy. My pleasure. And I, and I will continue doing these interviews with other people at at TSN. <laughs> and the comp, the one question everybody will get is, how many James Duthies can you bench? So I I, I got to get Bob. I got to get Darren. I got to get... Uh, you know what? It's getting uh, less Jennifer and less because I'm getting heavier and heavier, bro. <laughs> Whatever. Great to have you, man. Okay, man. Thank you for listening to James Duthie on the Subway Fresh Take Hotline. Fresh. This was Cabbie Presents, the podcast. Oh, yeah.